You know, you, you talk about heroes of the faith. Uh, you know, the heroes of the faith are the ones who laid their life down, the martyrs. I think there's so much to learn from studying the martyrs. But it's that second generation of martyrs that are amazing. They watched them die. And it's recorded in Roman history over and over again. That second generation of martyrs, they're the heroes. So our nation eventually will fall over our dead bodies. Uh, our son will die, but eternity continues. Our life should be a living witness to the best of our ability. So keep your eye on the ball. Stay focused on eternity. Realize that this life is nothing, nothing, nothing. The terrible, terrible things that happen in this world, God can use to have amazing good things happen for centuries afterwards as a result of that. So welcome everyone to Heroes of Faith. Our goal here is to seek out and highlight people that are on the front lines and, and living out their calling in Christ. So we're privileged to speak with Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, founder of Grossman on Truth. He's also a former U.S. Army Infantry Officer and Ranger, West Point Psychology Professor. I'm going to try and fit all this into 30 seconds here, sir. I don't know if I can. <laughs> and uh, the founder of Killology, which is a relatively new field of scientific study around the psychology of having to, to take a life on the battlefield. Uh, this not only includes wars abroad, but also many of our law enforcement brothers and sisters who have to face the threat of death on a daily basis. He's written numerous books and publications on the topic and is known uh, for his books on combat and on killing, globally known as a subject matter expert in dealing with violence in a violent world. He's testified before Congress, been an expert witness in high profile cases like the Timothy McVeigh trial. He's trained countless mental health law enforcement professionals and military professionals globally. He's advised presidents on topics revolving around violent video games and media, and is also most importantly, a man of God. And his book on spiritual combat, which might not be as well known, especially amongst the military circles, but it has been influential in my own view of the battlefield, my own mental health, and after surviving three war zones and numerous conflicts around the world. So, sir, we're, we're honored to have you here. For me, it's a it's a great honor to finally meet you because I've been following your, your stuff for years. Uh, the required reading thing in the military, yours was some of the best, and it wasn't a manual. Oh, really? <laughs> to read well, through. praise God. It's an honor to be on board with you. I love the concept of, you know, iron sharpens iron, iron edge. You know, uh, I throw that out there and, and people hear it and then they translate it in their own mind. And a guy came back and said, I love what you said about blade sharpens blade. Well, that's not what I said, but it's really pretty cool. <laughs> you know, iron sharpens iron, blade sharpens blade. You know, uh, he translated it in his head and that's what you guys are all about. Uh, just uh, uh, proud to be a part of it, uh, honored to, uh, to be a, a sheepdog uh, under the great shepherd. You know, you, you talk about heroes of the faith. Uh, you know, the heroes of the faith are the ones who laid their life down, the martyrs. I think there's so much to learn from studying the martyrs. You know, that 11 of the 12 disciples were, were murdered for their faith. Three of the four authors of the, of the Gospels were murdered for their faith. Men don't die for a lie. But it's that second generation of martyrs that are amazing. They watched them die, and it's recorded in Roman history over and over again. That second generation of martyrs, they're the heroes. So it's all I can do to think of myself as God's faithful sheepdog. You know, I know when we get there, he'll greet us as a beloved child. We'll understand things that we can't even comprehend. But right now, it's all I can do to think of myself as being God's faithful dog. You know, I'm not 
I'm not heroes of the faith. I'm not, I'm the hero's you know sheepdog, you know. But uh, the dog, you know, uh, he didn't know much. But but Will Rogers said one time, if you get to thinking you're a fellow of some importance, try telling another man's dog what to do. You know, you, you ever done that? <laughs> you know, the dog looks at it and says, look, I don't know much. I'm just a dog. I know this. I'm not your dog. And and I tell people, if the evil one comes for you, you know, you can look him in the eye and say, hey, I'm not your dog. You know, I, I belong to the, yeah. I belong to the, to this great shepherd. I, and, and one day the sheep dog will find the rest of the feet of the great shepherd. And we yearn to hear those words. Well done, that good and faithful servant. We focus on that a lot. One of the things I like to tell people is there's no reason for us to still be here on this planet other than to serve and to be able to stand before him at the end oh. and say, hey, I did it. Oh. Not waiting for him to say, hey, well done, that good and faithful servant, but knowing that he's going to say that to me. Praise God. And Amen. that's that's my motivation. It's like, look, we're here to serve. Otherwise, when we receive him, we'd go straight to heaven. Yeah. There's no reason for us to be on this lump of rock dealing with all the nonsense we have to deal with uh, on a daily basis and watching the pain and suffering and everything else other than t- to get other people to hear yeah. about him. Yes. You know, and that's a critical point. We can almost bracket this presentation with that. It's kind of the last question, but it's lay out that foundation right up front. Uh, our nation eventually will fall over our dead bodies. Our son will die, but eternity continues. You know, the most important thing of all is to keep your eye on the ball. You know, every tragic, horrendous, terrible thing that happened on this planet is nothing, nothing, nothing compared to God's goal of bringing one person to the knowledge of salvation. So what looks like tragedy to you, what looks like horror to you, God can use to bring people to the knowledge of salvation. Nothing on this earth matters except to love God and to love others. And if we truly love them, then the greatest gift we can give them is bring them to the knowledge of salvation, to make our life a living witness. And uh, and if we keep our eye on the ball, keep our eye on eternity, then all the things in this world become nothing. You know, they would hay and stumble. Uh, our treasure is stored up in heaven. Our reward waits for us in heaven. You know, that's where our home is. That's where our battle ends. Right now, uh, we just take every day the Lord gives us and dedicate it to him and try to do a little bit more in his service. Yes, sir. I got, I got to jump in here. I uh, haven't said anything yet, but again, super honored. And you keep uh, you keep dropping little Oklahoma nuggets. Uh, so uh, right here, you know, Will Rogers Airport just down the road. Yes. So hopefully my... <laughs> My guys in the city get to uh, get to listen. I know the Bible says that even a fool can seem wise when he holds his tongue. <laughs> so I like to quietly just sit here. I like to quietly sit here and just listen to somebody with your experience. But I can, aside from your incredible uh, resume, I just get an overwhelming sense of the presence of God just talking with you. So uh, I know you're a retired colonel, but I, I sense you're a general in God's army. And so I, I really want to introduce our guys to you. You know, that's what we're trying to do is we, we highlight heroes of faith. We want to inspire heroes of faith. So I'm curious when you're, you, you know, you had your call to military, but also as a civilian and your walk with Christ, how did that, you know, how do you, yeah. <laughs> how do you want to just engage our yeah. guys on that, those two questions? Well, you know, all I've ever wanted to do, you know, in the first grade, the teacher said, what are you going to be when you grow up? I said, I'm, I'm going to be a soldier. That's all I ever wanted to do. Uh, all my reading, all my life, you know, has been focused towards that. And then I enlisted in 1974, and I was a punk. You know, 
going to college would have been the greatest waste of time and resources on the planet. It took the army a year to knock some sense into me. I remember the day I walked down the company street and the first sergeant sent me back for another haircut. And I thought, why am I fighting these guys? I can win this game. I can play this game. I volunteered for this. No, you don't know what made me do this. And that was the day when I, I began to to play the game. You know, it's funny, all my life I wanted to be a soldier, but that was the day I decided to be a good soldier. That was the day I decided to, uh, you know, to play the game and play it to the hilt, you know, get the haircut, do the do everything that came with it. And uh, uh, it, it was really quite a blessing. I was Radar O'Reilly. The first sergeant pulled me out of a line platoon early on to be the company clerk. You know, I was a guy back in the day before word processes when a letter of commendation meant somebody sat and sweated over that and typed up every word every single time. You know, there was no there was no mechanism to mass produce letters. Yeah, that was Rado O'Reilly. That was me, you know. But my wife uh, had grown up in the faith. My wife was a, was a Christian and, and she was praying for me. And I went to night school to get two years of college to go to OCS. And one of our professors, uh, a philosophy professor, was a local pastor with a philosophy degree from Duke University. And, and he, I came to the Lord with my head and my heart followed. You know, I came to the Lord knowing this is the wise thing to do. This is the right thing to do. You know, we've, we've got four literate witnesses of all these miracles and of all these occurrences. We've got, we've got these martyrs of the faith. We've got this second generation of people who have laid their life down. You know, Muhammad, you know, where's all your miracles? Where's all of your four literate, you know, authors? You know, and Joseph Smith, I'm sorry, where where are you, all of your witnesses? You know, where are all of your miracles? Where where are your four literate parallel translations of, 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 of the story? Where is it at? There's only, there's only one faith that makes any sense whatsoever. If there is a God, you know, he would have his word in every hotel room. He would have his, his temples in every city. You know, his, his word would be translated into every language. We can see him in prehistory. You know, the Old Testament is such an amazing thing because it honors only one human being, the Messiah to come. You know, look at all the bad things David did, but look at the fact that he allowed that to be recorded, that his descendants allowed that to be recorded. It's the only work in history that doesn't honor any human being. It shows the flaws, it shows the failures of every human being and constantly foretells the coming Messiah. And then the New Testament, which all of those prophecies are fulfilled and and the coming of the Messiah and everything that comes with it. This is so powerful. There's nothing in human history remotely like it. It's the only logical, rational, you know, if your God's hiding under a rock somewhere and you just discovered it, I'm sorry, he's not much of a God. You know, if, if you suddenly found out that we've been doing it wrong all this time and only you know the way it ought to be, then your God is not much of a God. If he hasn't been able to communicate his will across all these years, if he hasn't gotten it written down and clearly outlined, you know, providing, you know, the blessings to his believers across the centuries and dominions. So I came to the Lord with my head and uh, this book uh, on spiritual combat has been bubbling back there year after year, decade after decade. Finally came out, praise God, uh, Christian Book Award finalist. Uh, and, and now we've got you know, on, on spiritual combat. The next one is on spiritual warfare. And it's at the editor now, and we're working through it right now. 
It's going to be good. It's going to be big. Praise God. Uh, we got the Bulletproof Marriage, 90-day devotional. Uh, I, You know, it's got like 700 five-star reviews in just a couple of years. Look at all the, you know, we wrote this thing, a 90-day devotional, sheepdog and spouse, 10 minutes a day. Would people really sit down with their spouse 10 minutes a day and do this for 90 days? Yes. Praise God. You know, they're doing it. It's so cool. Look at the reviews on Amazon. And, uh, and so, God's just worked this mighty work from the very beginning, uh, bringing me to the knowledge of salvation with my head and my heart followed. Uh, a godly bride, you know, pretty girls have brought more people to the Lord than probably any other tool that God's got out there. You know, pretty godly women who, <laughs> who marry us and, and, and bring us to the faith, you know, and and uh, and 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 now here, here we are, you know, and I, I'm 66 years old. I'm on the road over 200 days a year, and it's my prayer I can do it for another another 20 years. Every day that I have the health, every day that somebody else here without give, I'm going to walk out that door and do Amen. it. You know? so, so it's been a beautiful walk. And, and it just began with, you know, with, with PFC Grossman going to night school and, and having the gospel given to him in a philosophy class, you know, and, and being convinced that this is the right and rational thing to do. And then well, I, I was baptized and joined that church. And uh, well, later was a deacon in that church and kind of you know, I, I, for a young baby Christian like me to be a deacon was ridiculous. You know, I, I didn't have any, any of the maturity that was needed to do that job right. But what a blessing and what fun and and uh, and and how we've grown in the faith since then. So it's been a neat walk. And it's been good to see the Lord in in your life. That's Sorry. awesome. It, the logical part of that is is really what's gotten me too. I grew up in the faith. Shad and I both yeah. did. Grew up in a church. Yeah. It's pretty strict. So when I was eighteen, of course, I rebelled and ran away. So I'm going to figure out my own stuff, and that didn't work out very well, and then ended up in the Army at oh, 25. <laughs> so God, go figure. How that, I don't know how that works. But it was the logical side of things, that same exact argument. I was doing a parallel study between Islam, Catholicism, and Christianity. Oh, and Judaism, sorry. Uh, and it was just the one that made the most sense. Like, if you just think logically, if you yes. put aside your pride and yeah. want to control everything, it's like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. So I think, I think that's great. I honestly didn't know about your faith. When I started reading the books, like I said, mandatory reading, you're going to read this stuff. Read it. It was like, and I was in, in the process of finding my own faith, really seeking it out and asking God, if I had never heard of you before and never heard your name preached, what would you look like? And getting in the word. But I remember thinking this guy has to have some kind of foundation in Christ in order to have the mentality he has on this this topic. Because first off, it's a risky topic. Yeah. Killology. Yeah. I'm sure you yeah. Been attacked by the best, right? And they probably haven't oh, read your stuff. They just see that yeah. term and they're like, oh my God, yep. he's teaching people to kill. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I understand that had to be a really risky topic and really a risky profession to go into. You're you're seeking out and studying a topic that is extremely taboo uh, in the Western world. Why? What, I mean, you have your foundation in Christ, but well, what me, motivated you to even go that direction? Great question. You know, because um, here I am, Sergeant Grossman now, going to night school. I went about 1976. My very first paper in my very first class, it was psychology class. And the teacher said, you know, take some aspect of this and apply it to your own you know, experience. And I talk about B.F. Skinner, Opera and Conditioning, as a classic example in basic military marksmanship pop-up target, reward schedule, you know, fast forward, uh, Major Grossman, a West Point psych professor, and we're using military marksmanship training as the, an example of Skinner's operant conditioning. But 
So I was interested in this from the very beginning. I kind of saw that link from the beginning. We had Vietnam vets all around us. You know, I enlisted in 74. The Vietnam vets were all around us. And we're the 82nd Airborne. We're going to punch out the combat any day. You know, we're always on standby. We're always ready to punch out. And of course, it never did. But uh, uh, we wanted these Vietnam vets to tell us what combat would be about. And they wouldn't say. It was like this weird taboo topic. So, you know, fast forward, I'm, I'm going to grad school en route to teach at West Point as a young captain, uh, as quite a senior captain by that point. And I thought, well, I'm going to do my graduate thesis on killing. I'm going to study killing. And all of a sudden, you know, an, an army ranger infantry captain uh, comes and asks them about combat and they'll say. And so my first book on killing, I, I wrote in grad school. It took another eight years of development. I turned in one chapter as my graduate thesis. But uh, and, and for the first time, people would share with you. You know, if if uh, if somebody asks you about your sex life, you know, or intimate details on your sex life, you're going to blow them off, you know. But if, if some Christian scholarly research was being done and it was a survey, uh, you, you might answer. You might even tell them the truth, you know. So... So that's what people are doing with killing. They would they would tell me, and I, I wrote the book on killing. But then, before the war began, I'm out there teaching, you know, uh, and the only ones in combat every day was law enforcement. And I realized that for those who fully prepare themselves, killing is just not that big a deal. Uh, you know, 18-year-old kid drafted off the street, you know, big deal, but... For mature individuals, preparing themselves, mind, body, and spirit, the killing is not that important. It's the other stuff, and I put that on on-combat. And on-combat, by the way, has what I call my spiritual ambush, because there's a whole chapter in on-combat and how, you know, you can you can be a warrior and, and be a Christian, you know, but, uh, but auditory exclusion, slow motion time, how in the world could we have had 500 years of gunpowder combat and not let people know that the shots kept muted, you know, I, I, We've done this. How did this? This is the core of combat. This is what lies at the heart of it. You know, tunnel vision, uh, and, and then the aftermath dynamics. You re-experience it. It's not PTSD. It's normal. You know, it, it becomes PTSD when you try to not think about it. You literally drive yourself crazy trying to not think about it. So how do we separate the memory from the emotions? All that's part of the healing. All that's part of my class. But at the final level, as you peel away the layers of the onion, what's really important is the book on spiritual combat. You know, again, our nation will die over our dead bodies. You know, our, our son will die, but eternity continues. And what really lies at the core, you peel away the layers of the onion. You know, I studied killing, and then the next layer down is combat, slow motion time, auditory exclusion, aftermath. But the pearl at the heart of the onion, you know, the, the, the core is about faith and God in eternal processes. And, and, and that's why we do what we do. And, and God has a plan for us and he has a goal. And eternity in heaven you know, is, is, is so vast that the unthinkable immensity of eternity. Just try to wrap your mind around that that lies in front of yes. us and realize this is just prep time. This is just prep time. And what's our mission here? Love God, love others. If we truly love them, bring them to the knowledge of salvation. And we do that with good works. Galatians 6, 9, my life first. You know, grow you not weary of doing good. In the fullness of time, you'll reap your reward. Just walk out there every day and do the best you can. And so that was kind of my, my, my journey, going from this, what I thought was the ultimate taboo topic of killing, to the combat, 
to ultimately understanding the big picture. You know, keep your eye on the ball, keep your eye on eternity. And everything else just totally pales by comparison to preparing people and bringing people to the knowledge of, of eternity and salvation through God's plan. And, and it's really relevant right now. I told you I was in Ukraine for like three months um, and I was supporting the church. If you know anything about Ukraine, they actually teach passivity in the evangelical church they have for years, mostly because, you know, the government there over the last few years before this conflict has not been the best. You don't want your kid joining the military in Ukraine or being a police officer because they're going to be in corruption and things like that that were going on. But they preach passivity. And I've been going there since 2014. So I know a lot of pastors there. And there was always this look of disdain when they find out that I was in the military. Oh, did you kill anybody? That kind of question isn't. This last trip out there, I, I end up counseling pastors, a lot of pastors. When they find out that I was in the military, they're coming to me. They're like, I have these feelings that I don't know how to handle. I'm angry and I see this happening and I'm not doing anything about it. What do I do? We end up praying about it. And I'd be like, look, that's love. First off, it's not hate. It's not bitterness toward these people. It's love for the people that are being hurt and that don't have the protection that they need. Your job is whatever God calls you to do in this conflict. But if it is to go to the front lines and protect them, that's okay. Yeah. There's a difference between murder and protecting Boom. God's people. God doesn't divinely intervene very often, yeah. you know, but he uses people on a consistent oh, basis. Every day, every day. So you have, to, you have to come to terms with that. That You know, I, 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 now I open and close every presentation with this, you know, and people come up and claim it and I sign them for them, you know. We, and, uh, you know, I'd say, what's the opposite of evil? The opposite of evil is love. And, and love, the thing to understand is evil is the absence of love, just as darkness is the absence of light. And we defeat evil, we defeat evil with our love, our love for our family, our love for our nation, our love for our God. And I open and, and close every presentation with that, Chris, now the opposite of evil, not only that, but, but love quenches fear. Yeah, uh, you know, a perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in love. We're not given a spirit of fear, but of sound mind and of love. And uh, this this concept, but the, 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 what I tell people is, you know, it's World War II. You know, we've all heard, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not kill. So it's World War II, and we went and killed an awful lot of people. And the world would be a dark and desperate place if we hadn't fought and won in World War II. So I ask everybody, I ask my audience, I said, just think about this. We're all of our religious leaders a bunch of hypocrites. All of our pastors and priests and ministers and rabbis and chaplains, they all preach, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not kill. The war began. Ah, we change our mind. Kill those guys. It's cool. No, that's not what happened. It's not you shall not kill. It's you shall not murder. And that's all the difference in the world. And that's a little spiritual ambush that I put into on combat for people to understand right up front. It's, it's not you shall not kill, it's you shall not murder. There's all the difference in the world. You know, Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his tens of thousands. It wasn't until David murdered Uriah to get at Bathsheba that he got in trouble. So so if, if you get a deeper understanding of God's faith, you, this pacifism is wrong. You know, God is God has ordained us to, to stand up and confront evil. And, and not only to confront it, but confront it knowing that we can lay our lives down and it's nothing compared to eternity. You know, that, that really nails it. This, this battle against this worldly thou shalt not kill misrepresentation to when you immerse yourself in God's history, when you immerse yourself in God's word, it's very, very clear that our God is a warrior and he calls us to be warriors. 
Uh, and, and there's many ways we can fight the battle. It's not all in the front lines necessarily killing people, but it's about, it, it's about being in the fight every day. In this war, we win by saving people. And that's so cool. You know, when you wrap your mind around that. As we, as we say in our church, you're helping me. <laughs> so, you know, I, I bring the civilian aspect um, to this team. That being said, we have a lot of people that are listening to this podcast and close friends who serve every day on the front lines, uh, sergeants and, you know, detectives, the whole nine. And so uh, I pray that they, they get the insight here and not just from our conversation. Uh, we, I think me and Pete could take all day with you and just soak it all in. But hopefully they go. We'll put all the links up. They get your books. On Spiritual Combat has really been such a blessing to me. And I'll say a blessing and a challenge and really actually stirring me up again. Like there's things that you hear and, you know, life comes and challenges come and you have your ups, your peaks and your valleys and you forget and just that little reminder to get back into a good prayer routine. I happen to catch that about praying with our our eyes open and being you know vigilant and watching, you know, being the sheepdog. So I love that. You know, that that being said, you know, I faced my challenges and you know, just stay in the fight. That's that's kind of one of the things I get from you. Just stay in the fight, keep engaging, keep getting better. Let God heal you. Let him let him correct you and get back on the path. Uh, I, I'm curious, you know, just like the heroes of faith in the Bible, we tend to put them on a pedestal and act like it's just this grand story, you know, like a perfect movie uh, script. You know, w- we can certainly look at you that way. You have, a, like I said, a great resume and you've done a lot of cool things. But I, I want to ask that you, you know, maybe be a little, bo- little bit vulnerable and share some of the challenges. And, you know, like you write these books and we can imagine a lot of people came at you. You know, how did how did you have to stay in the fight and what kind of encouragement can you give to our men that are listening? You know, this is really a, a great question because it, it's kind of the core. Lately, the attacks on law enforcement have been evil, just evil. You know, the idea that if we got rid of all the cops, emptied all the prisons, it would be all better. You know, that's just that it's so insane, that it's so twisted. So uh, um, what I tell my cops is is this, I get hate mail from Antifa and defund the police. It's in an email, but what they're gonna do to my family and all this stuff, you know. And, and the thing to understand is, the only thing in the universe you can control is yourself and how you choose to respond. I can't control what these idiots do. I can only control how I choose to respond. Now stop and think about that for a minute. Everything in the past is done. Let go of it. Turn it over to God. That's why faith is one of the pillars of resiliency. Having a higher power to turn things over to is essential to your well-being. You know, every resiliency program on the planet talks about faith as one of the pillars of resiliency. Everything in the future is uncertain. You can't control what other people do. The only thing in the universe you can control is yourself. And if we give way to cynicism or bitterness or complacency, that's the one thing we can control. So what I tell people is you don't lose your temper. You give it away. It's the only thing in the world you can control, and you gave it away. Now, that's easy to say. It's not so easy to do. So I get these hate mail from these guys, and I got some candy that I let myself have, you know, once a week or so, you know, I get, a, I get a couple of boxes of the chocolate-covered cherries that in Christmas, you know, on birthday, and I, I just stretch them out throughout the year, maybe one a week. So I get one of these nasty grams. I get a piece of candy. I, don't, I almost look forward to it, you know. And this is true 
cognitive rational therapy. We take what they meant to harm you, we turn it something good. So I tell my cops, I say, look, you know, you can't control these idiots say to you, but you can control how you choose to respond. And uh, I, I like Tootsie Rolls, you know, they, they're individually wrapped, they stay clean, they're good in the heat, they're good in the cold, they remind me of Halloween candy, you know, so have a little bag of Tootsie Rolls in the car, in your police car, and you only get to have one, the only time you can have one, because somebody's ugly to you, somebody's mean to you, somebody pushed your button, and you say, because of you, I get to go back to my car, and I get a Tootsie Roll. And again, what they meant negative, we turned to good. You know, I, I, That's not a good plan, sir. <laughs> I'd be going out and looking for fights all the time. <laughs> guys, that was, so I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I tell people, you know, the only thing controls how you choose to respond. And, and there's one other thing here, though. They, it pulses from fight or flight to rest and digest. You know, big swig of water pulls you from fight or flight to rest. Take a knee and have a swig out of your canteen. Uh, this is just, you know, have a drink of water, have a sip of brandy. It's in our culture. But it's, you know, I tell people that swig of water sends a powerful message that we're safe. You know, deer's being chased by a wolf. You stop getting a drink, you're really thirsty. I can't get a drink, I'm being chased by a wolf. The fact that you stop and take that drink. So when you're just burning with anger, when you're just barely under control, you put that Tootsie Roll in your mouth, salivation, swallowing, taste buds are firing, it will pull you from fight or flight to rest and digest. It will pull you. you know, when you're burning with anger and barely under control, just go ahead and pop that Tootsie Roll in there, you know, and uh, and, and it'll pull you and, and, and regain that control. That's really the trick in, in so many ways to take what they meant for evil and you turn for good. What they meant to hurt you, you turn into something positive. And that's really life overall. You know, nobody gets out of this world alive. But we shouldn't dread death, we should understand that that's when the story begins. Now, I don't think anybody actually 100% believes. I think we've all got this little kernel of doubt inside of us. That's a human condition, you know, but, but I tell people, people say, I wish there was a loving God. I wish I could believe it was so. I tell them, then recognize that for what it is. That's faith. That's your little seed of faith. And you plant that little seed of faith and ask for more faith and, and do what God asks of you. I, I mean, it's, it's the, the fact that you wish it was true, that's, that's God speaking in your life. That's that little seed of faith. Just plant that seed of faith and know that most of us have some little seed of doubt. No matter, no matter how our, our faith grows, no matter how it goes, you know, we're all going to go to our deaths with a, a, with, with a, a bit of fear. But as much as any human being could possibly believe, rationally, logically, we know there's a heaven. We know God's waiting for us there. And we know that our final act on this earth could be our greatest contribution. When we go to our death with Christian calm and dignity and knowing that we're greeting the Father, when we, that, that our greatest achievement, what we think is the end of the story, death is actually the greatest achievement in this volume of the story. And then it begins the next volume that goes on forever. You know, C.S. Lewis said, you know, this story, this life is not even not even the front page of the big book that you're going to be writing in the in the millennium and the eternity to come. So it all begins with that little, you know, that little how do we control ourselves and sympathetic parasympathetic dynamics to come back around to keep your eye on the ball, keep your eye on eternity and stay focused on what's really important. 
Wow. What you're saying really reminds me of the scripture, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen. So just taking that little, uh, that little nugget of, of what might, people might consider doubt and turning that into a faith seed yes. is, wow, what a tool we can use to, uh, you know, to plant the gospel out there. And for our guys, you know, a lot of times we overcomplicate this and really it's the simple things God will use to turn, to turn a heart of a man. Yes. You know, so I really appreciate that insight and sharing that. And again, for our guys listening, we're going to face obstacles. And uh, I think you gave me a little bit of insight into my sweet tooth. Maybe I have a bigger problem <laughs> than I realized. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, keep keep pressing in and and turning what the what our enemies mean for bad into into good, yes. just like just like the Lord promised. Praise God, Amen. You know, and. It- I was talking at a men's group this morning and we were talking about the risks and things like that. I think Shad and I are both, we're going through wild at heart. Uh, I don't know if you ever read that one, sir, but uh, oh, yeah. John Eldridge, great book, right? Actually feeds kind of into on spiritual combat. We're going through this and it's like, we need to expect I'm a Intel guy, right? I do predictive analysis. That's my job. That's what I do for a living right now. My job is to avoid conflicts and then react if I have to, but I, I'm like, God, how can I apply this? Uh, on the on the battlefield, I can't see the enemy, you know, but I know that that he's going to come after me. And how can I be prepared for that? A lot of what we were talking about in my group this morning was the fact that most men in the United States have never had their metal tested. They've lived in great security their whole entire life in the United States for the most part. Never had to take a really big risk yeah. in their life. I mean, the biggest risk might be changing jobs or marrying their spouse, having a kid maybe, but they they haven't had to face that, you know. And because of that secure environment, we're Risk averse. We're used to just not taking those risks. And so we were talking to something simple about, you know, how do I approach this person to talk to them about the gospel? Or how do I do this? And and we, we ended up coming to the conclusion that most men in the Western world are, are cowards. And they just yeah. don't realize yeah. it because they've never had their metal yeah. tested. But look on the positive side, too. You know, we, we talk about the greatest generation, four years of war in World War II. And they came home. They were the greatest generation. Well, there's a new greatest generation rising up. Uh, in these violent times. And violence has exploded like nothing we have ever seen before. It's orders of magnitude worse. Medical technology is holding down the murder rate. Tourniquets alone have cut the murder rate in America in half in just the last decade. Cop slaps on a tourniquet, saves a crime victim's life, we've prevented a murder. So the number of dead people underrepresent the problem year after year as medical technology saves ever more lives. But it's a measurement we use and in 2020, the, the highest annual increase in homicides we ever saw was 12% one year in the 1960s. And then in 2020, it was up 30%. But if you allow for medical technology, it's more like 200%. It's like this it's explosion. The wheels have come off the bus. And, and so in these times, 20 years of war, the magnificent men and women coming back from this war, uh, a new greatest generation. And then violent crime at levels we've never seen before. People facing violence every day. God is raising up a new greatest generation. And it's you. It's you right here. You know, it's Pete and Shad. Spiritually and physically, we're being challenged to levels never seen before. And law enforcement and military and pastors are rising to the challenge. Aslan is on the move. So you're right. The vast majority are, 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 are snowflakes. They're cowards. 
You know, you touch a snowflake, it melts. You know, but there is that core who volunteered for 20 years of war that should give us hope. You know, and, and, you know, if God was willing to save an evil city with just, you know, 10 righteous men, I, I, I think he's saving our civilization with a handful of men and women who's serving us. Uh, my grandson uh, enlisted at Indiana National Guard and just finished basic training. You know, I, I, the current administration troubles me. He didn't ask anybody, he just did it. And the current administration, you know, after Afghanistan, uh, these are times when you'd have difficulty trusting your son, your grandson to him. But the National Guard in a conservative state, you know, so here's my grandson. I got a son with nine combat tours. I got a grandson who's just now getting into the fight. But this is that new greatest generation. These are the ones who are, who are called to service, to serve God, you know, to serve our nation, to serve our community. Uh, and, and there's hope. There's great hope. You know, don't, don't focus just on that negative. Uh, and, and identify that Nick and then, then deal with it. Well, I think that's the, the key to the, what I'm getting from a lot of my, my friends who are not, actually don't have a lot of military friends here in, in Charleston. I have mostly, you know, people who never served, but they're feeling the call and they're feeling this sense of urgency and they're feeling this pressure to be more because they're being suppressed. You know, I mean, we talk about men being under attack. It's legit. And, and our ability to fulfill our calling is being invalidated through, you know, the expression of our God-given masculinity, cool. which is different. If you're any of our female listeners, anybody wants to make a not toxic masculinity, it's just masculinity. Right. It's the way we're made, right? And in our culture, in our country, even in the church, it's being like pushed, and men can feel that. They're feeling that, and they're going, "This isn't how God made me. I'm I'm supposed to be doing this, or I'm supposed to be this way, and this doesn't feel natural," you know. And and yes. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian man. I want to be able to express that and do more. But they're constantly being told to sit down and shut up, honestly. And so if you could give our listeners one piece of advice who are considering taking a risk and really jumping into something crazy like discovering killology. Yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> Just a, a small endeavor, right. you know, like that. What what would it be? What what would you tell them if they're getting ready to, to do that and they're just on the fence and ready to, well, ready yeah. to go? It, it keeps coming back to the heart of it all, and that's eternity. You know, keep your eye on the ball. And, and re remember, you know, our nation will fall over our dead bodies. Our son will die. Eternity continues. So God's given us this very brief period of time, and he wants us to use it effectively. He wants us to use it well. And with this mission, you know, to love God and love others, that's the heart of our mission. Uh, four words, love God, love people. And if we truly love people, if we truly love God, we'll obey him. If we truly love people, we'll bring him to the knowledge of salvation. And, and we do that with our daily walk, you know, to doing good deeds. Galatians 6, 9, go, you're not weary of doing good. Our life should be a living witness to the best of our ability. So keep your eye on the ball. Stay focused on eternity. Realize that this life is nothing, nothing, nothing. God, God can snatch your life away at a young age and yet still do mighty, amazing works with that life. The terrible, terrible things that happen in this world, God can use to, to have, have amazing good things happen for centuries afterwards as a result of that. Uh, the, the new book coming out uh, on spiritual warfare uh, talks about the Holocaust and all of the lessons that came out of it, all the good that across the centuries we're applying that God has taken this terrible evil 
and taught an important lesson and brought us up to new levels. And, and we talk about how God can take the most evil of all evils, the Holocaust, and over the centuries, make it for good. So, so keep your eye on the ball. Stay focused on eternity. Stay focused on God. And are you loving God? Are you loving people? Are, are you part of, of this kingdom? Are you helping bring people the knowledge of salvation? It's not just you yourself out there witnessing, but you're supporting the larger organization. And, and it comes down to my life verse, Galatians 6, 9. Grow you not weary of doing good. Are you truly doing good? And, and are you using that good to be a living witness? Let your life be a living witness. Let you be the pioneer that blazes a trail. You know, the one out front takes the first arrow. Good. You know, all right. So I'm the one that took the first arrow. I went down, but I went down through inglorious deeds. You know, I went down leading the charge. Uh, and and just, just for all of you out there that are worried and concerned, uh, keep your eye on the ball. Stay focused on eternity and, and, and realize that our treasure is stored up in heaven. Everything on earth is wood, hay, and stubble. Everything here on earth is unimportant compared to those treasures in heaven and, and the mission that God has given to us. Love God, love others. Bring them to the knowledge of salvation and make your life a living witness. Do that by, by, by your daily witness and your, your daily works. And again, we're all so flawed. We all make so many mistakes. We all make so many failures. But God forgives us. How many times does he forgive us? endlessly, constantly. We just come back and if we, if we confess our, our sins and it's faithful and just to it can cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And it's a constant process of going back for grace and knowing about that grace in eternity. So it's just a simple matter of staying focused on the ball, uh, on eternity and, and, and God and what God wants for us. And again, that, that little kernel of doubt is there and I think in almost every human being, I've met a few people who say they have absolutely no doubt uh, that almost every human being has this, this core of doubt uh, and take your seed of faith and constantly reinvest it and ask for more faith. That's one of the things we talk about there. Your first response to almost any trial should be to pray and you should pray for more faith. Lord, give me more faith. He wants us to ask for faith. That's the thing. We can't, we can't, we can't even believe in our own power. We've got to do it in God's power. You know, the man came to Jesus and asked him for help. And he said, if you if you had enough faith, anything's possible. He said, I believe, help my unbelief. Boom. Jesus did what he asked him to do. All he wants. The disciples said, Lord, teach us how to have more faith. Uh, that's all he wants us to do is go to him and ask for more faith and, and ask for more love. Your prayers have special mojo when there's more than one person you know, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in your midst. God tells us. So you and your spouse praying together uh, every night as you go to bed is a powerful, powerful thing. And one of the things we should pray for is all of our loved ones and that they will come to the knowledge of salvation. But one of the things we pray for every night is greater faith and greater love for God and for each other. Dear God, Give us both greater faith and give us both greater love for you and for each other. And, and and so constantly go back to God asking for more faith and asking for more love. And the very act of asking for it is powerful. And and then God's response to that is 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 overwhelming. It's it's beautiful, it's glorious. But but constantly go back asking for more faith and asking for more love 
And it really is is not just okay, it's what God wants us to do. And so as you go into that, hold it up in prayer. What do we pray for? More faith and more love. And God will answer that. He will do that and empower us to, to work mighty deeds. So that would be my long-winded answer to anybody who's uh, no. you know, getting in the fight. I, I would say that's been, uh, you got that, Chad? Because everybody else hopefully has got that. Cool. <laughs> Pray for faith. There, there we go. Right. Pray for faith, man. That's it. I wrote it down. Literally wrote it down. Pray for more faith. Yes. <laughs> I got the muscle memory thing going on now. I heard it a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. God, it's, 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 it's in the noggin. It's in there. The ball. Well, in the second volume uh, on spiritual warfare, we talked about the old song, you know, praise God and pass the ammunition. And, okay. uh, you know, it's a great old song. Praise God and pass the ammunition. And the ammunition is faith. And the first thing we should do is ask for more faith. The first response to anything is to ask for more faith. And God will do that. You know, praise God and pass the ammunition. And the ammunition in this battle is faith. And all we've got to do is, 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 is ask him and he will give it to us. Amen to that. One of the things I wanted to say, Pete, I, I know we're probably wrapping up here. Uh, you know, sir, we have a we have a whole list of criteria that we had to do something to try to how do I identify heroes of faith? And you certainly check all the all the boxes. So we want to say thank you for your for your service to our nation. And also one of the ones that is on there is about changing the narrative. And uh, I recently heard my friend Amanda Connor over in Coventry now say the truth doesn't need uh, you to defend it. It just needs you to declare it. The truth is the truth no matter what. So thank you for declaring truth. And also that everything you've you've done and you're doing contribute to the mission of the kingdom. And so so for that, we, we say thank you truly. And it has been such an honor to just hear just even a little glimpse of the wisdom God's given you. And, and thank you for studying hard and for working towards it and uh, putting in the effort on your end as well. So God is faithful. You know, when we when we just give a little bit, he he rewards us with so much more. So it's incredible the work that you're doing. And you know what? If we can do all these things and if we don't have love, we're just like a bunch of loud symbols Amen. making a bunch Amen. of noise. So on on top of it all, your message of love, loving God and loving people just sums it all up yes. and wraps it in a nice bow, here's the package, and, and it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, and for eternity. So thank you so much for that. It's truly iron sharpens iron. And I want to tell everybody, we typically take either the ministry or materials that uh, our heroes of faith have produced or have access to and put them on our own site. So your books will be linked on our site. Uh, your training and your website will be linked on our site. We'll keep following you into the future so that uh, men, you have resources. We're trying to resource you. We're trying to motivate you and help you. I've gone through these books a few times and I will tell you they change my life. If you're a military vet, especially, you need to read On Killing and On Combat to understand some of the things that you may have gone through or experienced that you have questions about because it really clearly lays it out there and it is a resiliency thing that we need to, to identify. But the uh, On Spiritual uh, Combat, and I'm looking forward right. to On Spiritual Warfare for sure. Uh, on Spiritual Combat something I listen to and I, t I have to go back once in a while, sir, because your voice and that makes me <laughs> sleep sometimes, which is a good thing at night. I'm trying to get to sleep, but I'm listening to this because 
there is so much uh, truth in the word and prayer and scripture in it. It is like a daily devotional that you can go through. Uh, and, and it does give you the, the ability to fight the fight that you need every day. So I would recommend getting into that as well or getting it on Audible and listening to it. Thank you again, sir. I mean, it's been uh, a real honor for, for us to, to have you. And, and hopefully we can follow up. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. To to it truly is faith to the second power, iron to the second power. Uh, you you guys fire me up. This time uplifts me, uh, you know. And, and and it's 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 faith to the second power. It's iron to the second power. It's a, iron sharpens iron. It's been a mighty mighty blessing. Uh, just wrap up by saying don't don't seek to be heroes of the faith. I'm not Imre's hero. I'm God's faithful sheepdog. Just the humble humble goal of being God's faithful dog. I wouldn't know when we get to heaven. All kinds of beautiful things gonna happen. But right now, you know, I got. I got a dog, a chocolate lab by the name of Isa. And if I let her off the leash, she'll roll in something stinky and run in the neighbor's yard. But I still love her. Uh, and God sees every bad thing that we do, and he still loves us. You know? And, and I, can, I, can, I can wrap my mind around that idea of being God's dog. You know, just a humble goal, not to be a hero, but just to be a faithful, faithful servant and, and to be, be his faithful God. So iron sharpens iron. Uh, praise God for you, gentlemen. And pray that God will bless this endeavor in Jesus' name. Amen.